The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10 AM. And we're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information and hopefully make you aware of issues that you aren't aware of and choices that you have and how financial news relates to you and what you can do about your financial life in a world when things are there's plenty of things that you can't control. And we are sponsored by the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is an affordable Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm that's known for traditional financial planning, number crunching, objective analysis. And we've been around the Cleveland area now for more than 35 years, helping people through good and bad times and helping people analyze financial choices and understand how decisions or events um, that happen or um, problems can affect the long term, uh, your long term financial stability and what you need to do um, to adjust to be okay. And do you know, uh, you know, people are underspending, overspending. Do you know? Um, people are certainly today worried about inflation and concerned about the market and how that impacts their spending or how does that impact my ability to retire when I thought I wanted to. And a lot of people worry about that and think they can't do the things that they want to, but they don't really have a way to measure and know how that impacts. And and thankfully, through our process, a lot of times people are worried that don't need to be. And sometimes people who aren't worried should be, but it gives you clarity, not only of if I'm not going to be okay, what do I need to do to get back on track for my long-term plan or help people analyze decisions that you're facing, whether it's pension election, um, timing of social security, IRA distribution, Roth conversions, um, whether you're someone who needs a lot of help or a little help, that's why our plans are customized. And we offer both comprehensive plans and um just help with specific analysis and offer the free consultation to see what you need and how we might be able to help you. And we do free consultations by phone or in person. We have both hourly and comprehensive options. And if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, um, you can give us a call, leave a message. We will get back to you on Monday, or you can also email us through the website. The website has some incentives if people come in during a certain time frame. So check out the website. You can sign up for the newsletter, which I sent out some information this week. Uh, I try to give you relevant news. I blasted out on the IRS was increasing for the second half of the year, the mileage rates. So if you're tracking that, you know, so as I get information, whether it's the IRS, the government plans, or other relevant financial, if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get that. You can also on the website, listen to our podcast, and you can sign up for the September planning classes, which if you're someone who's 59 and a half or older and you have IRAs, company plans, or similar assets, you're not going to want to miss this class. We're talking about rules, costly mistakes, the SECURE Act that was passed previously, and how that impacts people that you may not be aware of, minimum required distribution, proposed changes with the SECURE Act 2.0 that we've also touched on on this show. We'll talk about Roth contributions and conversions, who should and should not consider it, and why now you may have opportunities this year for a Roth conversion that may not be available to you in the future. Carrie, you mean like big negative mar- drops right? in the market? Yeah, yeah. There's opportunities in every situation. So this is a great class. We have September 14th at 6 p.m. and September 20th at 3 o'clock. They're free. We do ask that you register ahead of time. Um, so we can have a, a good count. I already have people signed up for both. Um, so it's not too early to register and you get a free workbook, which we've updated the tax tables and other relevant news too that you get to take with you. So take advantage of the free consultation, which is specific to your issues, concerns, and questions. And you get a free analysis just for scheduling. Or if you want general concepts and planning strategies, come out to our free educational classes and you can give us a call at 440 239 2090. That's 440 
239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Carrie Waddell and Mark Donnelly this morning. We're co-owners of the estate planning team. Yes, Carrie, thanks. And we're working through the somber, somber of 22, right? And yeah, everything is down, right? Stocks, I mean, the Dow mm-hmm. is negative year to date. The NASDAQ is down year to date. The S&P 500 is down. Bonds are down year to date. Gold is down year to date. Crypto is down year to date. So what isn't down this year? It's hard to find something. Well, your cash, your CDs, right. and your fixed annuities. Mm-hmm. So, Carrie, I know you're gonna we're gonna talking more about fixed annuities because that's one of the things that's not down year to date. You know where there's principal protection, and a lot of people are curious or inquiring or wondering whether they should right. have a position in that or is it time to get back into a ladder of CDs of interest rates mm-hmm. come up enough where it's now worth your while to spend time looking at that you right. know, building a ladder of CDs to try to ratchet your fixed rate of return up a little bit in these uh, t- you know, turbulent times it's been vol- very volatile Right. So make sure you have a good cash reserve, though, before you look at other. This is beyond beyond that money you're not going to use in the next year or so. Because having a cash reserve now, we've talked about, Mark, when you're talking about hedging against if your fears of a recession, that's one of the things that you talk about. Have a good emergency fund, a good cash reserve buildup so that you don't have to sell low or pull money out and create more taxes and take an additional hit. Right. So we'll be talking. So we'll be talking about that. Yeah. And and. It's been a very volatile year, too. You know, one way I measure volatility is by looking at how many trading days in the year where the S&P 500 either went up or down in two percentage points or more, right? And so far this year, we've had – now, we're taping the show on Friday, so I'm not sure. And, Carrie, this is my last show. Did I tell you that? What do you mean? No, you didn't. Yeah. That's news to me. Yeah. Because I'm going to win that Mega Millions tonight. Oh, well, I should play that. $660 million. That's build back better money. Yeah. Um, oh, Mark, I think you'd do this for fun then. Yeah, well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I'll let you know after I win. Oh, now, yeah, I'm going to have to stop. And I usually don't do that very often. All right. What's the, yeah, we can calculate the tax hit on that lump sum payment, right? Um, but anyway, so the volatility year to date, we've had 27 days. Ooh. Right? And. Why Why trying to time it is so difficult is because of those 27 days, year, you know, through the year, uh, at least through yesterday's close, where you had a, more than a 2% movement in the S&P in any one day, right? Now, 13 of those were up more than 2%, right. and 14 were down more than 2%. Ugh. See, it's that's why you can't time it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a absolute roller coaster when we have economic downturns like like we're having right now. Now, parabolic moves, there's only, you know, that's where there's a 4% movement. We've only had one of those, I believe, year to date back in May, and that was a negative 4.04%. So that was certainly a bad day. But remember, that's, you know, but right now, today, this morning, the VIX was pretty quiet. I think it was at 2022 or something like that. So, anyways, we'll talk a little bit about the 60 40 portfolio today. Is it dead? You know, you know, that we get that question all the time. Is, is you know, is a 60 40 allocation a very popular retirement right. allocation? For many, many decades, right? And we'll talk about that. Now, we did get some, um, you know, I'll talk a little bit about some economic data. Okay. And so, because what people are wondering is why people are so concerned is not only, obviously, the inflation that we have embedded right now, but it's also the risk of a recession, okay, Mm -hmm. which many people believe that if we're not already in a recession, right, um, that we soon will be. Now, but there's some fake news out there, Carrie, talking about fake recessions. So have you heard about this? Mm, No, I've not. All right, this is the new fake news, I guess, fake recessions. So I could sit here and read all the shock line, you know, you know about how many people believe that there uh, is recession or we're already in a recession. And the idea is that, okay, we may be, technically, we may be in a recession. So the technical definition is, of course, two negative 
consecutive GDP quarters. And the first mm-hmm. quarter was negative, and Atlanta Fed is pr- is projecting that the second quarter will be negative. Um, so that's technically a recession, but that's not what a lot of people really think a recession is. So, in other words, the National Bureau of Economic Research, they define a recession as a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and lasts more than a few months. Okay, and they consider several areas of economic activity. Um, including real personal income, non-farm payroll employment, and industrial production. So it's it's a little bit more than just that technical. And so a lot of people think that, yeah, maybe we're, we will have a technical recession this year in 2022, but the pain recession is still yet to come, mm-hmm. which they're saying maybe in 2023. Now, of course, the Federal Reserve is doing everything they can to – keep us out of a deep recession. Mm -hmm. But their number one goal is to put a clamp on inflation and they will risk a shallow recession for that number one goal. Right. Because they said if you don't get inflation down, things are just going to get a lot, lot worse. So on the inflation front, and that's what we're having a lot of discussions with our clients. And, you know, and this year it, it's going to be eight to nine percent. So if you have not changed your economic model base, and that may not mean that you think it's going to be eight to nine percent forever. Right. Um, but if it is embedded for this year, next year, and maybe, and maybe, you know, cascading down a bit, you know, well, whether we get back to the Federal Reserves and quite frankly, the global central bankers goal of 2%, Europe is still saying 2%. I don't know, but we never use 2% in our models anyways. Carrie. Right. We, we don't, I don't think we ever use less than three. And usually yeah, we're I using three was three the and floor, a half before. but usually, yeah. Um, and then, of course, for certain characteristics of expenses like health insurance or perhaps if you're saving for college education, um, we would use a higher, you know, right. maybe five, five to six percent inflation. Anyways, that's that's the fine detail. But, it, you know, if you have not changed your model, should you be doing that? Um, now, I guess there is some good news on inflation. This came out of uh Looking is that at, fake news? <laughs> <laughs> the 250 pension fund managers and chief investment advisors. Um, it, it, you know, the, the consensus is inflation is going to fall, meaning that we have peaked out okay. right, at this 9.1% handle, the CPI. Well, handle. that would be great. So that's and that's what most of our clients, how they want us to build their assumption is that the, we're peaking out inflation in 2022 and then it starts coming back down, and then maybe by 2024 or 2025, we're back to maybe the, what we're going to use right. as a floor in their plans, which may be three, three and a half percent, something along those lines. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, do you know? And that's the question. You know, do you need a tool to help you manage that? All right. Um, what's what? What was the ECB's new tool, Carrie? What were they talking about? The TPI, remember? TP- oh yeah. So, the, so the, yeah, the ECB they they surprised everyone by coming out with a fifty basis point hack. Right. Now our Federal Reserve meets next week, FMOC. Everyone's expecting a seventy five basis point. See, that's it. That they are going to slash inflation. Right. No, I mean, don't fight the Fed on that. Mm-hmm. They will. They will stop inflation. Now, at what price? It's but I'm sure they're just painful. weighing is what's worse. So yeah. So what did the ECB? They said the TPI, the Transmission Protection Instrument. <laughs> it's a new tool that they right. created, right? And a new bond purchase scheme aimed at helping more indebted eurozone countries and preventing financial fragmentation within the currency block. So, oh, really? They just really explain it in plain right. English, so don't they're, they? They're trying to, you know, you know, there's, you know, so they're working on that. So if you need a tool, okay, we have one at the state planning team. Mm-hmm. We call it ours the life flow plan. And it's basically a modeling where uh, analysis where we're saying, yeah, let's build a base case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you already have a base case scenario that you've been working on. But now with the new data, we're saying let's, for fun, build a 
sometimes we call it a plan R or a recession plan right. or a recovery plan or a worst case scenario plan. And, and that's where we take a less positive, a more negative approach to saying, what if inflation is embedded a bit longer than what they first led us to believe? And what happens if we do have a recession? Right. And, you know, what could that mean to my stock portfolio? Um, and that's where a lot of people think that, um, that once they announce that there is a uh, recession or what have you, or what will that do to the portfolio? And I don't know. I guess they they think about if 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 in I guess uh, historically, if you have a twenty five to thirty percent decline in the markets in a, in a recession, that the S&P would have to go down to maybe 3400 okay it's it's where it's right now it's well as of yesterday close around 3900 so that's maybe another 15% drop being mm. you know and so if you're trying to say where what's my worst case scenario floor and you're thinking because we're going to be in a recession in the next 12 months wherever you know and now again that's where we'll talk about well obviously if the more you have in the market the more you're going to get take that, a hit. That, that that line um, and the less you have in the market, the less you'll take that decline, right? And that's where we're back to the, so many discussions we're having right now is what should your allocation be? You know, and, and, and a lot of that is based on your base case plan model that says, by the way, what rate of return do you need to be okay? Right. I was going to say that because in some previous shows you were talking about recently this summer, you were saying some people – plan working and they can spend everything they want they can retire when they want and they don't have to take on very much risk and they're never running out of money yes they don't get the big gains but if i can do the spending i want to do i don't have to worry about potential loss or very little loss it gives you peace of mind that i can actually do things because we have some people that say i've been through 2008 i don't want to go through another decline i'm worried and i'd rather park it in more fixed the 60 40 no way Right. Too ri- too risky for me. Um, now, so we can also look at we other empirical data that we got to help us make a decision on whether you think the economy is going to get worse or better. So we had the jobless claims, okay, and they were not good, Carrie. Right? No. So the weekly jobless claims came in at two hundred and fifty one thousand. Now, if you've been listening to our show, we all you know, we always talk about the unwritten rule about jobless claims is telling us that the economy is good or bad. Right. Right. So, and it's that 200 to $300,000, those two parameters. So if the jobless claims are under 200,000, everything's good. If the jobless claims are over 300,000, everything's bad. Right. Right. And so remember we were, we, this year we were getting down to the Mm 200,000 and then it started, Creeping back creeping up. Creeping back up. So now it tipped 250000 It came in at two hundred fifty one. So now we're closer to 300000 than we are to 200000 And that's not good news. Then we also had the Philadelphia Feds. They came out with their manufacturing index, right? Um, and let's say the Philly Fed said Thursday, okay, it's gauge of regional business activity dropped to negative 12.3 in July from negative 3.3 in the prior month. Economists polled were looking at a, a 1.6 rating. So <laughs> a big miss there, mm-hmm. right? Um, let's see whether it's saying U.S. manufacturing, the star performer of the pandemic, is suddenly struggling. Economists are concerned that layoffs and cutbacks are uh, uh, in output are on the horizon. So this is the concern, Carrie. This is the stagflation concern. Remember the stagflation, the three-legged stool, right? One is a slowing GDP, which we do have. Second one is a, a higher inflation, which we do have. And the third is high unemployment, which so far we haven't had. Right. All right. And that's why a lot of people are saying we're not going back to this. This is the same situation as the 70s, the stagflation. But this is the problem. If, if, if you know, corporations in the margin squeeze that they're having right now, we're getting the earnings reports right now for the second quarter. It, it, Carrie, what's the first thing corporate, you know, the, what's the 
quickest, easiest way for corporations to cut expenses. Cut employees. Lay off employees, right? And that's what, so if that unemployment starts going back up, now we have the risk of stagflation, right? And that is not good for your economic plan. Um, so we, we've, we've seen how the big companies, Apple is said to be slowing its pace for new job additions, Microsoft, Facebook, um, parent, um, Meta and Google owner Alphabet are all reportedly implementing hiring freezes. Um, Goldman Sachs has said it won't hire as aggressively in the second half of this year. Okay. Um, Ford is rumored to be announcing job cuts soon. As a matter of fact, that's where a lot of people contributed the, the 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 jobless claims this week is apparently carry it's it's not unusual that during the summer the the dog days of summer that the the auto companies lay off workers right and they all file for the unemployment um tesla already has done so they've already cut victoria's secret laid off workers earlier this month as did twitter um, well twitter we know maybe right um peloton <laughs> J.P. Morgan Chase, Netflix, Redfin are among the other job or the other companies that are saying they've got to cut jobs. So the list is growing, right? And, right. And, and so the risk is certainly there. So I guess Carrie, I could, that leads me to my uh, Cassandra Award for the week. Right? All right. Okay. So um, for those new to the show, I've been doing the Cassandra Awards, the weekly, you know, the the best Cassandra and the best supporting Cassandra, right? Mm-hmm. And Carrie, what is a Cassandra? Cassandra was um, is someone who what was it? Was it Greek mythology? I believe yeah, Apollo mythology. gave her the gift of yeah. um, you could tell the future. Right. So the Cassandra was the beautiful princess who Apollo, you know, the son of Zeus, got fell in love with, infatuated with. And gave her a So a he gift gave her of, a nice gift, a gift, gift of, of prophecy. Right. Well, then she just wasn't into him anymore. So right. then he said, I'll, I'll add a gift that nobody will believe you. So right. that's when so we're she, giving the Cassandra curse the gift so that no one would ever believe her prophecies, even though they were right. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the Cassandra. All right, so who gets the award? So the Best Supporting Cassandra Award this week, Gary, goes to Sean Duffy. Okay. okay um, who was an economist, financial planner. Um, he was on one of the, the talk shows. Um, people are getting poor and growing more desperate by the day. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. People are getting poor and growing more desperate by the day as the administration policies tank the economy. Um yeah, long lines are back at U.S. food banks as inflation hits highs and getting worse. Uh, a Louisiana food bank CEO warns that right now there's enough food, but that might not be the case in the future. Citing high fuel costs, making it more expensive to collect and distribute the food, Americans who need help right now are in a perilous position. Um, so he's pretty negative on that. and But the I would say he's supporting... Cassandra, the best Cassandra this week has to go to Jim Rogers. Okay. Uh, the worst bear market in my lifetime. You know, here's why Jim Rogers thinks stocks will decline for a long time. All right. Um, so, he, you know, Jim Rogers goes on to say that this is has to be the worst bear market in his lifetime, which means it'll go down a lot and long and it will last a long time. All right, and well, I think he's about 79 years old, so it's, he's been around for a while. Uh, spiking price levels present another concern. Roger says that most central bankers don't know what they are doing, and inflation will get worse. Okay. Um, if you're looking for a safe haven, Roger says there is no such thing as safe in the world of investments. Okay, still the multimillionaire points, uh, you know, that. So, what does he want to say? Silver, he likes, and agriculture. Well, there you go. Um, Now, again, we don't make specific stock recommendations or precious metal recommendations or commodity recommendations. Right. Um, But the idea is do you believe that? economic times are going to get a lot worse or do you think it's all just talk and things will get better um but and what our point is if you why not just for fun run 
your plan are, run a worst case scenario to see if in what you believe is a worst case scenario. Now, again, not the catastrophic case scenario. No, but you may want to see market declines and a slow growth recovery, and you may want to assume high inflation rates longer just to be very, very conservative. Right. Or are, are you already um, tightening your belt? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, here's a headline. Americans are buying fewer staples as inflation crimps budgets. Okay. Um, retail unit sales for U.S. items such as laundry detergent, shampoo, and diapers fell in the three months through. But those so, are necessities. I, that, that doesn't that's make sense to me. I know. See, this is what, this is what the article is getting at. In other words, it's gone beyond cutting back discretionary right. spending. I mean, the going out to eat. Shampoo, diapers, and what was the third one? Who needs diapers, Carrie? Yeah. Um, or maybe people are going to cloth that they have to wash. I don't know. Hey, what's that's how well we did. That's how I did it. I didn't because <laughs> of my age of kids, but. Diaper Dan coming to the, you know. Um, all right. Uh, consumer goods giants, including Procter & Gamble and Kimberly-Clark, have raised prices to counter higher costs for freight, labor, and raw materials. Okay, such as the pulp that goes into the toilet paper, Gary. Didn't you, didn't you say on uh, Amazon Prime Day you loaded up on I TP? did. I sent it to my daughter. As, no, you, as got, her, you got the buy her, of the year. Yeah, I got her. a. That was her care package. There you go. I don't know if that's what she wanted but, in her care package. Carrie. I don't know. I mean, she was thankful. Okay. It was um, it was money she didn't have to spend and something you're always it was useful. Uh, prices for housekeeping supplies surged 10.7% in June mm-hmm. from a year ago and rose 3.8% for personal care products. Um, so that's it. You know, the inflation is getting down to your daily living expenses. Right? So if, if that's, that's, so that may be one inflation rate. What are you using at home to project your future you know what we what we what we mean by daily living expenses are the mandatory stuff the utilities the gasoline your car maintenance groceries, your groceries your household taxes. goods your gro- like basic expenses right um that you really don't have a choice like once you know those are covered even if you build a worst case scenario then you can start thinking about the trip planning or the retirement because we know a lot of people are saying oh my god i wanted to retire now i think i can't well Maybe you can, maybe you can't, maybe you can quit, maybe you can take on a part-time job. You don't have to work what you're doing. Right, and that's the that's really the benefit of doing a custom financial plan. You know, don't ask your neighbor how, you know, if they're slashing back on their grocery bill. You got to kind of figure those out for yourself. And I think, Mark, when you talked about earlier, that base case is where sometimes there are online softwares that give you a base case, but it really doesn't help you model in different scenarios and customize it to the level that we do and also give you what do I do? What are steps to take? What are strategies I should be using? What are ways I can create future tax efficient income? And because my tax rate's low, maybe I want to look at Roth conversion. So if I'm worried about tax rates going up in the future, I'm going to create a bigger tax-free pot of money. Right. And one of the, I guess, Gary, one of the character, one of the expense categories that we think that the those online programs do a very poor job on is projecting your future health insurance costs, mm-hmm. right? especially if you haven't gone through all the phases left. You know, in other right. words, you may be in one phase while you're still working and covered by an employer plan and they're taking money out of your paycheck. Then there could be a phase if you're retired pre-Medicare where you have to get insurance on your own, that could be a COBRA situation or could be going on to the affordable health care, you know, the Obamacare exchanges. And then the third level would be, okay, when you do transition over to Medicare. And by the way, what are you doing for Medicare supplemental? Are you going with a low premium Medicare Advantage plan? Are you going with a more, you know, a, a, a private a Medicare supplement, you know, a Medigap plan where there's a premium? Are you picking up a prescription drug plan? Are you mm-hmm. picking up the government's prescription drug plan, Plan D? Are you going with a private carrier for that? What about dental insurance in retirement? What about vision insurance in retirement? So these are all things that if, if that those sometimes those Monte Carlo analysis don't really get into that detail. 
You know, they just say, what do you plan? What are your expenses? And they like right now, well, that's not going to be your expenses for the the rest of your life. Right. So you have to come sometimes the more you break out those expenses, actually the better or more accurate and the more peace of mind or the more decision making mode you'll be in with the plan. Right. Um, but so that's one carry that I've mentioned, you know, a couple of times this year is that we really haven't seen the inflation hit on health insurance, right? Not yet. Now, right. Now, we did on Medicare B, right? Because this year, 2022, there was a 14.5% increase over the previous year. But I don't think people thought much about it because it was doll- the dollars were 25 something. What was it? 25 or. 20 some bucks a month. Yeah, it went from uh, it went from 148.50 a month to a 170.10 a month, right? right? So it really wasn't No. relatively well, even though percentage-wise Right, percentage-wise is double digits, right? But you know, now but here's the point. If if it was ongoing 14% increases ouch, over ouch. your 30 years of retirement, yeah, that would hurt. Right. But also, I haven't seen the supplementals jump 14% necessarily. Or how about the exchanges or how about the employer, you know? So so the so now, so here's some information we got this week from Kaiser Family Foundation. You've heard of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um and their take on this is uh, uh, that after putting off routine health care for much of the pandemic, Americans are now returning to the doctor's office in big numbers. Right. A trend that's starting to show up in higher insurance rates across the country. Hmm. Okay. So, um, so because everybody was shut down, even though, it, you know, no one that postponed this inflation right. on the health insurance premiums because the claims weren't coming in right right um so health insurers and individual marketplaces across 13 states including washington dc will raise rates and average of carry next year what 10 percent. okay okay doesn't Um, surprise me right um now and so how do you determine this well one for example i was working with clients this week and and we were we were coming up with our assumptions for the plan R, and I said, okay, what inflation do you want to use for health insurance? And they were still covered by an employer plan, and they said, well, I think you know, I, he, you know, he had just gotten a pay increase, right? And so I said, well, bring in your new stub, you know, that shows the pay increase. And by the way, I knew that it would have on there what they're being charged for healthcare, right? And sure enough, okay, when he brought it in, so previous, the monthly amount that was coming out of his pay was $214. Okay. Okay, under the new, it was $234. Right. That, by the way, is about a 9.3% increase. Okay. All right, and he w- it went right over their heads. Right, because a lot of people just look what's net pay and what's going in the checking account. So that's what, so, so but- the point is, yeah, and and that, and I'm using that as an example to say, yeah, just because you know the increases right now aren't going to make you lose, you know, go bankrupt, right? But the idea is, would your plan be in jeopardy of not lasting as long as you wanted to if this embedded inflation sticks around for a while? All right. And so if your plan model, you're still using your base case inflation, maybe 3%, maybe 4%, something like that, have, you know, what would it still be okay if you up that to, let's say, 8 or 9% this year, maybe 7% next year, so, you know, cascading right. down maybe in, maybe by 2025, you're back down to, you know, 3 to 4%. Okay. Does that, how many years does that shorten? the longevity of your plan. That's putting you in decision-making mode. And it gives you clarity of saying, wow, I thought I couldn't spend, but I really can. Or, hmm, maybe I really need to adjust. People don't know the long-term. And that's the value of 
our planning and what we do at the estate planning team. And you can take advantage of a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation. We're happy to do those by phone or in person. And we do free analysis so we can determine how best to help you. We have hourly and comprehensive options. Our website has some incentives if people come in in a certain time and take advantage of a free consultation and then decide to use any of our services. You can also sign up for our IRA and Roth planning classes in September in Middlebrook Heights. They're free to attend. You can call us at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. All right, you listen to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the estate planning team co-owners, and we've been helping Cleveland families build these custom financial plans for over 35 years. Mm -hmm. And over those decades, we've certainly have worked with our clients and say, okay, what does your plan model look like if you alter your projected rate of return on investment, which always then leads back to the idea that why do you want to take on more risk than what you what you need to be okay, mm-hmm. right? Which then leads to a discussion of what should your investment allocation be? How much of your nest egg is in growth? How much is in fixed? Mm-hmm. Or how much is in equities or you know commodities or precious metals or crypto, whatever that is, versus how much is in fixed in cash and CDs, government bonds, corporate bonds, or what a lot of people are interested in, fixed annuities, right? Now, but back to the 60-40. So I always have a very good client who who provides me with the Ohio Deferred Comp, the 457 plan, right. quarterly results. Carrie, you're laughing because who, you, 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 because who is I that? I know. I am pretty sure I know who that is. Yeah, I've been with her for a while. Right? <laughs> I was going to say. Right. Many, uh, many years. <laughs> all right. Um, Hopefully it's 30, one of your almost, favorite. Almost those 35 years. Oh, geez. Um, but yeah, my best client. Um, all right. Now, so let's look. So I do this every quarter. So, and, and there's a lot of people that have the Ohio Deferred Comp. It's right. a great plan, a 457 right. plan, right? Um, and so let's just look at that. So what has this, so this is through June. So they, so now I, I look at two portfolios because there's lots of great options in Ohio mm-hmm. Deferred Comp. You could go very passive, like with Vanguard, or you could go very, you know, active or management, like the Dodge and Cox stock fund, which has been a, you know, a great fund over the years. So let's do the let's do the passive first. So let's look at the so for the growth side, I'm using the Vanguard Institutional Index, and for the bond side, I'm using the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index. Okay. Right? Now this is from the deferred comp, you know, results. So year to date, the stock index, okay, down nineteen point nine eight percent. Ooh. Okay. This is through June. Okay. Um, all right. Now, for the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index, down ten point four one percent. Okay. Um, so you that's what's hurt so much. That's what's hurt the 60-40 portfolio this year, right? Because if you do the math on the 60% of the 20% decline and 40% of the 10% decline, you're overall down 16%. Hmm. Okay. Now, the 60-40 has been negative in years many times, but not, not a whole lot of times. I think right. it's been... I think since World War II, I think it's had a 10% decline maybe 15 times. And I think maybe a 20% decline maybe four times. You okay. Know, you know, so, um, but, you know, so so it has been negative. But, all right, now, so if you're in the passive, you're down 16% through June. Hmm. All right. Now, what about the active manager? For active manager, I'm using for the growth side, the Dodge and Cox stock fund. That was down 11.53%. Okay. Um, better than the 19.9%, you know, the, right. the broad oh, yeah. index. Um, and then for the fixed side, I'm using the Ohio Stable Value Fund. Okay. The Deferred Comp Stable Value Fund. That's where they they use multiple managers to find fixed things, right? Right. Okay. That was still positive through six months, you know, slightly under 1%, 0.80%. Okay. So under the active management, you're 60-40 was down about 6.6%. 6. 6%. 
you know, now this is where the the old age old debate between passive and active management right. comes in, right? Because a lot of the, you know people say, hey, you can't beat the market, so just go with the passive. Right. But the the managed guys, the professionals, say, well, no. What the active professional management does, it protects you in down years. Okay, um, and that's clearly what's shown here. You know, it's a difference between a sixteen percent loss through June versus a six percent loss or six point six percent loss. That's a big difference. All right. Um, now, but that, but when you look over a ten-year rolling average, carry that difference pretty much gets washed out. So even with this, um, you know, if if I, you know, so they give. They they also report ten year numbers, so the ten year numbers the the sixty forty the passive is still eight point three seven percent positive. Okay. All right, um, and the active is eight point seven five. So it's only a, a few, less than forty basis points difference. So over the long run, I guess it just evens out. There you right. flip a coin, whether passive or active. But on in the down years, and that's where it depends maybe where you're at in your retirement plan. Because what you want to prevent is a big down year in the year you retire. Right mm-hmm. uh, now, just for, for fun, let's say you you thought sixty forty was too aggressive to begin with. So you're back to the Bill Benjamin's four percent rule. That's more of a fifty-fifty portfolio. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how about the fifty-fifty? So how is that done year to date? Well, on the passive side, you're still down fifteen point two percent. Ooh, ouch! And on the active side, you're down five point three seven percent. So it's about a ten percent difference between passive and active. Okay. Um, and then, but the ten on both sides, but the ten year. No difference. Okay. <laughs> the the act the the active is seven point six six percent annualized over ten years, and the passive is seven point two three percent. But still, but that's the argument. And if you're looking at the last ten years, you're saying the argument is that active works better in down markets. That's based what, on those numbers. Yeah. Um, now, um, and though it's still saying though, if you were using five or six percent you know, rate of return in your model, your base case model, I don't know if the 60-40 is dead, right? You know, because mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. And, and and I have some debt on that, too. Um, let's see where is the debt on that. I was going to say, you know, we look at, um, because one of the things that in the past, now again, the past is no indication of what's going to happen in the future, right? It's different this time. Um, but the the idea of how the markets come back in the year after the downturn, right? Um, so, for example, those negative 60-40 years. 2008 was a big negative 60-40 year. My, I think my calculations, I think it was down 21% in the 2008 Great Recession, right? But the next year, what did the 60-40 do? 16% return. Mm. Okay. Um, in 2015. That kind of evens it out. <laughs> in, in, in 2015, the 60-40 was down slightly, down by about 0.22%. Okay. Still negative, though, right? Um, in the following year, 2016, um, a 6.78% return. Mm. Okay. Um, how about 2018? I think that was the last time prior to 2022 that the 60-40 was negative. 2018, it was negative about 3.74%. Okay, in 2018. And how did that 60-40 portfolio do in 2019? 20.72%. Dang. Okay. Kind of so, like gambling. If you do the bigger bet, you get the bigger reward. Right. So, but that leads to, so, but anyways, there are some numbers for you. And, and, and again, historical, it doesn't mean what's going to happen in the future. The markets have risk this year. We're all feeling that, but that leads to discussion. Well, Mark, then I'm interested in principal protection on the fixed side. Let's say whatever you decide your growth side is going to be, whether it's 50 or 60 or 40 or 30, whatever, what you're saying is, what do I do on my fixed side? Because this bond bear market has killed me, right? Right. Um, all right. Cash so, doesn't pay much. Okay, so you're back to cash, CDs, and fixed annuities. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about now? Now here's the the 
one of the things now we you know everybody has heard the fixed annuity sales pitch right right on the radio in ads on tv well whatever well one of the things carrie is that that sometimes you know i find somewhat scratch my head out thinking about is that sometimes you hear something along the lines that hey it's not about knowing your number Okay. Which is opposite of what it is about knowing your number. Um, well, in other words, they, they talk about that it's it's about the contractual income, right? Right. It's not about you know, and I mean, and what is knowing your number? Well, that's the idea of saying how big your nest egg has to be going into retirement, right? right? Um, you know, or how you know. It, and or because, I also need to know my number of how much income I need or taking a well, step back. What's my purpose and how much would I put into a fixed option? Right. There's so, no way around it that I can't right. know my number. So, so, what, so what they're trying to say is, you know, the idea is saying that you need enough contractual lifetime income to cover your expenses. And that's the first thing you should do if you don't. You know, so what are those fixed income you know, retirement fixed income options. Well, one is pensions, right? right? Maybe a public pension or maybe a corporate pension. Social Security. The second is Social Security. Right. And the third is your personal pension. Sometimes it's called for where you, right. you, you get your own annuity if you don't have a pension and that you turn on the contractual income. Right. right? So, so the idea is saying, okay, well, but, but they're saying that that's more important. You don't need to know what your number is. I mean, you don't need to know how big your nest egg is. You don't worry you about how much you need to investments. You just need to have enough income. To cover your expenses. Right. But isn't yeah. it, you, don't you kind of have to know your number? Right. Be- because you have to buy the annuity. You don't get that income for free. Right. So you need to know your number and also, well, and you need to understand what you're getting. Right. And, and so, you know, in other words, you bought your Social Security. You bought your public pension. There was because a cost. As soon as you've got your first paycheck, they were taking money out of your pay. Right. So for the 30 years that you worked, you were buying it. There was a cost. If you now you, it, it, you don't feel that cost when you retire because you already paid it. Right. But if you don't have those things or you're saying I didn't start buying my annuity at age 21. And now, instead, I've saved my invest. I've got investments, but now at sixty-five, you want that contractual income. Guess what? You got to buy it. And the fact that you didn't have that time for it to grow and sit there is going to cost you. So, isn't that kind of like knowing your number? Because don't yeah. you have to know how much that income is going to cost me to buy it? Right, and I think people get excited about the hype, which certainly they have their purpose. We believe that all products have their purpose. They have good and bad, and it doesn't fit based on what you're trying to accomplish now and in the future. And sometimes people hear things that they don't realize that, oh, there's great income because you get this big bonus. Well, do you realize you have to leave leave the money there for 10 years? And then the only way to get that higher amount is to turn on the income for a lifetime. And once you turn that income on and I need money down the road, I can't access the accumulated value because I have some emergency that comes up or I needed mm-hmm. a lump sum or, oh my gosh, that income, because now all of a sudden I'm hitting RMD because I have social security and my own created pension threw me through tax threshold because now I'm collecting required minimum that my Medicare B premiums are going up. Um, I'm, I'm going through the zero capital gains, whatever it's, there's things to consider. All right. So let's go through a simple example. Karen. Okay. In other words, how do you put a number on the guaranteed income you're looking for? Okay. So let's say, okay, whether a single or couple, I don't care. Let's say that, um, okay, let, let's say your your spending gap is $40,000 a year. Okay. So that's I'm, what you need to cover expenses. Yeah, because so, so maybe you think that your expenses, you know, the, the, the old 60000 a year is now the new 65000 right. right? With the 8 to 9% inflation. Okay. okay. So let's say if 65000 is your cash flow needs for the year, let's say 25 is coming from Social Security, okay. so you need 40. Right. Or maybe you're a couple, you're both against Social Security, but maybe you have $80,000 of expenses right. a couple. So either way, we're going to say 40000 is our target income ongoing. Right, which that's, so you don't need to know your number, you just need to know that you, the $40,000 a year in contractual income for a lifetime will do it. Right. Okay, Carrie, now you ran some numbers on this, right? right? Just using, you know, and so, what, so let's go through a couple examples. What did you find? 
Well, if you're a joint couple and you need that 40000 and you're both 65 and saying, okay, now I want to create my own pension. Right, because you, you need the money now. You can't let it sit now, for 10 for years. Now, for 40000 ongoing with no cost of living increase, the premium required to start that pension, personal pension now, is 740000 Uh, Repeat that number again. 740000 that's it's almost three quarters of a million in order to create that pension that goes on for the joint life. So, Meaning as long as both of the two of you are still living, that pays out. Okay, so that's your number. Okay, to get that $40,000 a year starting at 65 and you want it starting right now and you want a joint lifetime. Right. Okay, you have to have, you have to pay the insurance company 740000 Now, if you're single, that same requirement is only 622000 because it's only insuring one basically life. one life. Right. Now, if you want to add a little bit of cost of living well, increase. Does that make sense, maybe? Maybe with these times. Um, I only had one through five, but I'm, I'm using a 4%. Okay, so if so, I want, which is conservative, actually, yeah, overall I mean, for day-to-day. Right. Because maybe health insurance will maybe be going up at five, and maybe we'll get back to day living expenses going up three. So yeah, right. so, so at 4%, 4%, that same 40000 in a joint life will cost you $1.2 million. One so do point. I need to know, do I have $1.2 million of assets? Well, I don't care. I just want, in the, the, I just want, I'm, it feels good that I have the 40000 right. guaranteed income. Oh, I have to know my number. And if you're single, it just costs you under a million, 990000 Now, I rounded some of these numbers. Now, certainly in some cases, this makes sense. But a lot of times people are looking at, hey, I want to, are you trying to create a pension or do you want the flexibility of, I want to park something in a fixed vehicle because CDs still aren't paying that great and cash certainly isn't. Do I want to park it somewhere that I have principal preservation, but I also get some growth, which you can in some of the fixed annuities. There's multi-year guaranteed. Like I said last week, there's a three-year at 4% guaranteed annualized each year. There's a two-year at 3.5, 3.6, depending yeah. on the premium. See. So there are options, but that's a different goal with that money because maybe in three years down the line or two maybe there's something else i want to put out maybe the market takes off maybe we have a recession and an amazing recovery you know or i want the flexibility to change that because maybe i don't need the money now but i may need the money in a couple of years so i want that flexibility and there are certainly fixed equity index annuities that have that same that are tied to still have the fixed options. There's ones tied to the S&P. There's ones tied to the value of gold bullion, real estate, different indices on the market if you want further diversification. Sure. And and that's the, and that's why, you know, what we try to help our clients is before you just run out and and buy the sizzle, um, do you understand what it really means and what you really are looking for? And try to keep an open mind and saying, yeah, there's no financial tool that's good or bad. There's just good and bad uses of any tool in the toolbox. And before you run out and buy the next tool, do you know what you're trying to build? All right, Carrie, All right, call the estate planning team for questions on that, or if you want to schedule a free consultation or attend our class at 440-239-2090. That's 440 440- 239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Have a great weekend. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.